Hello and welcome to this week's podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time covering the Business Week ended 18th December 2020. This is Ian Haydock. This week we look at a big deal in immunology, the story of vaccine success, Japan's vaccine environment, one big farmer's challenges and opportunities, and a disappointment in rheumatoid arthritis. It would be the biggest acquisition in the company's history, but AstraZeneca's surprise proposed $39 billion takeover of Alexion looks like a shrewd investment. Observers of the sector who had been bombarded by COVID-19 vaccines news during the week were then hit by a 12th December announcement of a definitive agreement for the deal. Alexion has long been considered a takeover target because of the commercial success of its C5 protein inhibitor Solaris which is eculizumab, and its follow-on ultamiris, which is rivulizumab. And the proposed move propels AstraZeneca into a leadership slot in the rare disease space. Kevin Grogan writes that the $39 billion cash and stock deal values Alexion at $175 per share, representing a premium of about 45% to its closing share price on 11th December. Shareholders of the Boston-based biotech will have 15% ownership of the combined company when the deal closes, which is likely to happen in the third quarter of 2021. AstraZeneca, which noted that a new dedicated rare disease unit would be headquartered in Boston, expects pre-tax synergies of some $500 million per year from the combined group by the end of the third year following completion. The enlarged entity is expected to deliver double-digit average annual revenue growth through 2025. AstraZeneca CEO Pascal Sorio noted on a conference call that the talks between the companies had been exclusive and that the acquisition allows us to enhance our presence in immunology. Solaris is approved for a variety of rare diseases, paroxysmal nocturnal haemoglobinuria, atypical hemolytic uremic syndrome, generalised myasthenia gravis and neuromyelitis optica spectrum disorder. It is also one of the world's most expensive drugs with a price tag of up to $700,000 per year. More recently, Alexion launched Ultamiris, which is a second-generation C5 monoclonal antibody with a more convenient dosing regimen, and total group revenues this year are expected to top $6 billion. Pfizer has secured the first authorization for a COVID-19 vaccine from the US FDA in what has arguably been the most closely watched drug development race in modern history, marking a momentous day for Pfizer and its development partner BioNTech, but also for the pharmaceutical industry generally. While the industry has delivered scientific advancements in areas like cancer and cardiovascular disease, perhaps no single drug development has been so closely watched by such a broad public. Helping to end the pandemic could also help the industry build goodwill after decades of lost trust. Pfizer will undoubtedly face challenges executing a max vaccination plan, which could ultimately shape the public's view of industry's handling of the crisis. But the company deserves to take a bow for moving swiftly and collaboratively to confront COVID-19, Jessica Merrill writes. The green light is also an achievement for regulators who double down on their work to get new treatments and vaccines for COVID-19 to market quickly. The EUA from the FDA came through quickly as expected on 11th December, one day after a recommendation in favour of authorisation from an advisory committee. 
The panel voted 17 to 4 with one abstention that the benefits of the vaccine outweigh the risk for use in individuals 16 and older. A swift approval had been widely anticipated. Doses of the vaccine will ship immediately but the demand is expected to outpace the supply for many months. The UK government approved the vaccine on 2nd of December and already began inoculating patients. Canada followed a week later. Regardless of the timing of each nation, the supply of the vaccine has already been allocated through the first part of 2021. In the US, the first to be vaccinated will be long-term care facility residents and healthcare workers. Sticking with vaccines, Japan has one of the largest single-country pharma markets in the world. A handful of major R&D-based companies with multiple innovative drugs sold around the globe and a record of innovation that stretches back decades and includes multiple blockbusters. So why, as the first approvals for other developers start to come through globally, is the country barely moving the needle when it comes to coronavirus vaccine activity? The answers are multiple and complex. While multiple supply deals with foreign developers have already been signed by the government, the original coronavirus vaccine R&D activity going on in Japan is limited and is occurring on timelines well behind those of both the major Western and Chinese developers. Anjez, Daiichi Sankyo and Shionogi are among the limited number of players. This is despite a lack of regulatory hurdles as Japan's regulatory authorities have all been highly supportive of pandemic-related research and state R&D funding has been made available. One limiting factor has certainly been trial recruitment challenges due to the relative lack of COVID-19 patients in Japan. But in my article, I take a deeper look at long-standing historical and policy factors that have hampered Japan's overall capacity for developing and commercialising innovative vaccines, which are again showing up amid the pandemic. These include a lack of scale and innovative platform technology, limited scope of vaccines included in Japan's complex and changing national immunisation programmes, reimbursement issues, and an apparent policy de-emphasis of vaccines in general in favour of other areas such as regenerative medicine. There have also been high-profile public lawsuits brought against the state over claimed side effects from some vaccines and reports of side effects from other newer vaccines which may have increased public scepticism. Abvi believes that Rinvoc and SkyRisi combined can generate $15 billion in annual sales by 2025 completely offsetting the expected US sales erosion of Humira once biosimilars enter the market, which is expected in early 2023. The company overviewed its post-Humira ambitions in immunology during an investor presentation on 14th December. SkyRizzi, which is Rizankizumab, an interleukin-23 inhibiting antibody therapy launched initially for psoriasis in 2019, and Rinvoc, which is Upadacitinib, an oral JAK1 inhibitor approved for moderate to severe rheumatoid arthritis in August 2019, have been cited as key components of AbbVie's post-Humira plan for years now. But, Joseph Haas writes, the 15 billion sales prediction in 2025 is above analysts' consensus estimates for the two drugs. Biosimilar competition already negatively impacted sales of Humira outside the US, with XUS sales down about 45%, CEO Rick Gonzalez noted on the call. AbbVie expects US erosion to be even steeper. 
Nonetheless, the anti-TNF therapy is AbbVie's big breadwinner, and the company forecasts it will bring in more than $16 billion globally this year and continue its US sales growth into 2023. Recently appointed Chief Commercial Officer Jeffrey Stewart said the two drugs should bring in $7.5 billion combined from dermatologic indications, $5 billion from rheumatology, and $2.5 billion from gastrointestinal indications by 2025. Driving this will be Rinvox Momentum in RA and anticipated 2021 launches in both psoriatic arthritis and ankylosing spondylitis. Skyrese's position and increasing utilisation in psoriasis combined with Rinvox expansion into atopic dermatitis segment in 2021 and the competitive profiles of both therapies in ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. Finally, shares in Galapagos took a pounding on news that partner Gilead Sciences has all but thrown in the towel on filgotinib and abandoned plans to seek US approval for the JAK inhibitor in rheumatoid arthritis following a meeting with regulators. Gilead has decided not to pursue approval of filgotinib, which is marketed in Europe as Gisellica, after a meeting with the US FDA to discuss the points raised in a complete response letter in August when the agency surprisingly rejected the drug for RA. Feedback from the meeting made it plain that the FDA still has concerns about the overall benefit-risk profile of the 200mg dose of filgotinib, having also requested in the CRL data from two pending studies, Manta and Manta Ray, which are assessing the drug's potential impact on men's testicular and sperm health. The US biotech major argued that the 200mg dose was required to be competitive in RA in the US and was unlikely to achieve approval without conducting substantial additional clinical studies. As such, CEO Daniel Loday said, while we believe that the clinical profile of Gisellica could help many patients living with RA, we no longer see a viable path to US approval in this indication. Gilead and Galapagos have also decided to end clinical trials of filgotinib in psoriatic arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis and non-infectious uveitis, but will continue to investigate its potential for inflammatory bile disease. Gilead will retain responsibility for the current trials in Crohn's, while Galapagos will run studies in ulcerative colitis. The companies have been partners since 2015 when Gilead made its $725 million upfront payment for the development of filgotinib and took an equity stake in the Belgian biotech firm. In July last year, they inked a new deal which saw Galapagos get $3.95 billion upfront and another $1.1 billion equity investment in exchange for extended filgotinib rights and partnerships covering other treatments such as xerotaxostat in patients with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis and diffuse cutaneous systemic sclerosis. However, the companies have come to a new arrangement whereby Galapagos will assume sole responsibility in Europe for filgotinib in RA, where both the 200mg and 100mg doses are approved, and in all future indications. It's also getting 160 million euros from Gilead to support its commercial activities in Europe. Both doses of Gisellica were also recently approved for RA in Japan, where it is co-marketed with ASI. That's all for this week and indeed this year. Thank you again for your interest in these new podcasts. And as always, these stories in full and very much more digital content is available as part of your subscription.
If you don't already subscribe, why not try a free trial? Best wishes to everyone for the holiday period and see you again in the new year. Bye for now.